Well, good morning to you, and Merry Christmas. Thanks for uh, spending part of your day with us to celebrate the Lord's Savior. We're going to do some different uh, things this morning. We're going to sing some, some classic Christmas carols. Larry's going to speak a little bit. We're going to sing some more. Larry will speak a little bit more. We're going to sing some more songs. Larry will speak again. We're going to sing some more songs. A lot of singing, a lot of speaking today. Before we, uh, before we start, let me pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll sing away. Father, thank you for such a day as this in which we can celebrate the birth of our Savior. God, we are a grateful people. Thank you for being a God worth worshiping and worth celebrating. And God, we just, we love you. What a great way to, uh, to kick off our Christmas morning by worshiping the Almighty King, the Savior of the world. We love you. We worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this out. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs implore. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Holy town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by, yet in thy dark street shineth. The everlasting light The hopes and fears of all the years Are met in Thee tonight For Christ is born of Mary And gathered all above while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch over wandering love. Oh, morning stars together proclaim the holy birth and praises. 
blessing to God the King and peace to men on earth. Oh, come, oh, come, captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear rejoice rejoice Shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night And death's dark shadows put to flight Rejoice, rejoice, Shall come to thee, O Israel. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Father, thank you for that privilege to sing those words. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Rejoice. We rejoice in that truth this morning, God. As we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And Father, as we now present these tithes and offerings to you, we ask that you would be worshipped in the manner in which we give them to you. And God, that truly you would use these for your kingdom, God, so that the world may know Emmanuel, God, with us. Christ is born today. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby 
has come to make you new this child that you deliver will soon deliver you Mary did you to the blind man Mary did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand did you the face of God Mary did you know Thanks, you guys. Let's pray together. Father, everything about Christmas is miraculous. The story is life-changing. It gives hope and meaning and purpose to life. And it helps us to know and live the greatest news that's ever been given. Thank you for Christmas morning. Thank you for all these dear people that have come. And today, Lord, it's our hope that as we sing these songs, as we open your word, as we present our gifts, that we're going to be joining our worship and our praise today with people all over the world who are lifting up the name of Jesus today. 
and celebrating the good news of your coming. So God, be honored by our worship today. We're celebrating you and worshiping you. And we thank you for being here. Happy birthday, Jesus. We love you today in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you very much for coming out on a Christmas morning. And on your way in, I think you were able to get maybe some hot chocolate, Christmas cookies. There's nothing like having kids in the service after you've hyped them up on hot chocolate. We think that's a really good idea, and uh, you're welcome. We're happy to do that anytime. Um, Last night we had such a wonderful time of worship. Our choir did such a beautiful job, and uh, we're very, very thankful to everyone who helped pull that together and pray. And um, we have a we have a tendency sometimes to look harshly at ourselves and see all the things we'd like to do again if we had a chance. But God really used it. Some hearts were touched, and we're very, very thankful for all of you who prayed and came. Some of our choir people were here in the first service at 7:45, and I thought, man you guys just bring a pill in the blanket and spend the night here on the pew or what? Seems like we just left and we got home and, uh, and we had to be back. So just glad to be here this morning. Merry Christmas to everyone. And um, today, as David mentioned, we're going to be doing something a little different. I'm going to be sharing a little bit and then we're going to sing and share a little bit and sing because many of the carols we sing, they're taken right out of the scriptures. And these songs that we sing sometimes, the impact of them and the meaning of them is really enhanced when we realize why they were written the way they were in response to the good news that was given. When I was a kid growing up in New England, I I did not come from a Christian home. And on Christmas Eve, every year, there'd be a television show. Now, it was sponsored, it was called The Spirit of Christmas. It was made in 1952, and uh, it was just shortly after Jesus was actually born, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and it was sponsored by the Bell Telephone Company. And the, the opening scene shows ladies in the back at switchboards in an operating room, helping people connect all of their calls. And... Uh, I used to watch this thing every Christmas Eve, and it started out with, Cle- with Clement Moore's poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, done to these marionettes that are really not very good, but they were done to marionettes with some horrible special effects. And I used to watch that thing. And then following that, there was a, another marionette depiction of the greatest story ever told. It's called The Nativity. And that's when I first got exposed to the fact that Christmas was about Jesus' birthday. And I used to be fascinated by that story. Now, we didn't have DVRs back then. We didn't have, we barely had televisions. But you had to wait for this on Christmas Eve, and it would come on. We had a black and white TV, so I didn't even know it was in color. But I would watch this thing, and I'd be fascinated by the nativity story. And I I learned in this little marionette play that Jesus was God in human flesh. That he was born of a virgin. And that he had come with a purpose to die for the sins of the world. And I used to sit fascinated. I didn't understand any of that. But I was fascinated by the story. 
Well, you can imagine my joy when at 25 years of age, I became a Christian. Jesus came to live in my heart. And I began to read that the Christmas story that was in that nativity was out of the Bible. And I could come back to it again and again and again, and now I knew what it meant. Now I knew why the angels were celebrating. Now I knew why the shepherds were worshiping. And the Christmas story came alive for me. Now, I don't know what it's like at your house, but at our house, on Christmas morning, we have a tradition. Carla gets up, bakes a three-course breakfast. We gather around the piano. She leads and sings in songs. We gather in the family. We're singing all these things. It's so wonderful. The neighbors hear of it. They come over. Pretty soon, we have hundreds of people there in our house. No, that's not exactly what happens on Christmas morning. We drag ourselves out of bed and uh, hope the kids might have slept at least till six. Anyway, but we do have a tradition that's been in our family a long time of retelling the Christmas story because it changed my life. And so I want to be telling you the Christmas story today, and David has graciously come, and we're going to be singing some songs that are tied directly to the story. So let me tell you the story. It's in Luke 2, verse 8. And I've learned it in a number of different versions, so sometimes when I read it, it's harder. So anyway, here's the story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. That's very significant. We'll come back to that later. Living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men on whom his favor rest. When the angel had left them, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they went and told everyone. And everyone who heard the shepherd's story were amazed at what they told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds left glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Father, I want to thank you that this story is true. The reality of this story has changed my life, and it's still changing and saving the lives of people who believe it. What do we do with Christmas? The angels celebrated. The shepherds worshipped. And they have become a model for what we can do with our Christmas today. And so, Lord, I thank you. Speak to us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago... I came across a story of a group of pioneers who were headed from, I think it was Missouri, to the West Coast, traveling in a covered wagon caravan. 
And when they got to what is now known as the Grand Canyon, they were seeing it for the very first time. And as they pulled up to the edge of that canyon, a mile wide where they were, over a mile deep, 40 miles long, they stood there in amazed wonder, and one of the classic understatements of all time was ushered by the leader of the caravan, who looked into that gaping chasm and said, something must have happened here. <laughs> you know, it's the same response a first-time visitor could make seeing our Christmas celebration. Something must have happened here. Houses are getting decorated. Businesses are getting decorated. People are cutting down trees and hauling them into their living rooms. The malls are more crowded. The traffic is more thick. Churches are doing special services. People are out in front of stores ringing bells with red pots. And gifts are being bought galore. Something must have happened here. John MacArthur in his book, The Miracle of Christmas, said, notice how stores advertise their merchandise. Notice what they advertise. Listen to the shoppers talk. Stop by a card store, look at the greeting cards. Try to imagine that you're someone who's never heard of Christ and never heard of Christmas. What message would you conclude from what you are seeing? It's an interesting question, isn't it? If you didn't know anything about Christ or Christmas and you walked into this thing and saw all this going on, what would you conclude was happening? Christmas from the very beginning was intended to be the proclamation of the birth of Christ. In fact, the Latin origins of the word Christmas, Christ's mass. In the Roman tradition, the mass was a time of remembrance, a time of commemoration, a time of recalling. Christmas, or the Christ's mass, was a time to honor and glorify and celebrate the coming of Jesus. It was a time of honoring and remember his coming. It's not that our expressions of the season are wrong, it's just that the focus on Christ's coming and its significance can easily become lost. Someone coming into our celebration might see us celebrating the celebration, but not really understanding why we're doing this. But the closer we look at the events at the first Christmas, the closer we get to understand what actually happened here. Jesus is born. He is the Savior. What do we do with Christmas? What do we do with Christmas? Christmas was to be a season of glorifying Christ. How do we do that? Well, if we follow the Christmas story, like the angels, we can celebrate his coming. Or like the shepherds, we can worship him. Christmas is the time to celebrate Jesus like the angels. Here's how Luke told it in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. We can always tell when a celebration is going on. Now, I don't know how many of you would admit it today, but how many of you are 49er fans? Yeah, there's a few of you. Now, I got to tell you, in their good years, their champion years, the whole auditorium would be full of hands. So if you're a 49er fan, I am sorry. You're having a really tough year. Uh, they'll be back at some point. But back in their glory years, I remember an event that took place on Monday, December 15th, 1997. The entire city of San Francisco was holding a celebration at what was then called Three Calm Park. 49er quarterback Joe Montana, number 16, was having his number retired. That meant after that day, no other 49er would ever be able to wear the number 16. It was a tribute to Joe Montana, and it was quite a tribute. There was a stage at midfield. His image was on the big screen. His name was written in lights. His jersey was in a glass case. And dignitaries were up giving speeches. Fireworks were going off over the stadium. And there was a huge inflatable football they blew up that rose slowly in the sky carrying a enormous number 16 49er jersey Joe Montana. Now, anybody watching that spectacle would conclude that Joe Montana, whoever he is, even if they didn't know anything about football, anything about the 49ers, had been just dropped here from outer space. They could be watching that celebration thinking, whoever this Joe Montana is, he must have done something very great. Anybody watching the party, the angels, through the night of Jesus' birth would have thought, whoever this Jesus is, he must have done something very great. Christmas is a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now here's a group of shepherds, Luke tells us, out in a field. It's pitch dark out there. I don't know if you've been in a field recently where there are no city lights or ambient light. It's pitch black. And suddenly an angel appears, a single angel, an angel of the Lord appears out of nowhere. And he starts talking to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. A savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And you're going to find him in a manger in the town of Bethlehem, right over there. Now, angels are not people who died and got wings. I want to clear that up. I mean, I love a wonderful life, but Clarence, I mean, it's cute, but that's not an angel. Angels are real created beings who worship God and serve God as his messengers. In fact, the word angel means messenger. Angels are real. And they occasionally 
appear on earth, there is a high likelihood you have seen one or more, and you don't even know it. That's how real they are. They don't appear with wings most of the time. In fact, it says in Hebrews 13, verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. Carla and I have had people at strategic times come into our lives at a moment when we needed a word from somebody of encouragement. We don't know who these people are. We never saw them before. We don't even know how they know us. They'd share a word of encouragement or whatever it was, or they'd fulfill some need, whatever it was, and then they're gone. Angels are real. We had a lady a few years ago in our congregation who was in a terrible car wreck out on I-680. Her minivan was badly damaged. And as she sat there in the aftermath of that crash, she realized she was badly injured, but she was fully awake. There was an old lady, she said, that appeared at her window and said God was with her and it was going to be okay. This is what she told me. When the medical help arrived to get her out of the car, she asked them, where's the old lady that was here comforting me? They said, old lady, ma'am, you're on I-680. You've been in a car crash. There's, there's nobody here but us. And she asked me, was that an angel? Angels are real. They show up, they look like people. You couldn't pick them out of a crowd. I don't know what this angel looked like, but it was an angel of the Lord appearing in brilliance in that sky, talking to the shepherds. And as soon as they got done delivering the message, a multitude of angels showed up. It was like they were all holding back, waiting for the message to get told so that they wouldn't interfere with the importance of the message. But boy, once the message was delivered, whoa, the party broke out. Now, I don't know how many angels there are. God only knows. But there's bazillions of them. And most of them must have showed up for this party. Because when God says it's a great multitude, you can imagine how many were there. The sky from horizon to horizon was covered. And they're all singing together. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill to men on whom this great glorious God in heaven, when his favor rests on you, peace on you. You see, the angels could barely believe it. They had served and worshiped in the presence of God since their creation. They knew the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, the three in one. They had known God, the Son, that he had been there from eternity past. They had heard the announcement of the mission. But the eternal God who created the universe is now a baby lying on some straw in a town like that? They couldn't believe it. God had become a man. And not only that, he was coming to die. To give his life for the sins of the world. 
and they were celebrating. People, there's nothing wrong with our celebration. It's just about a matter of who or what is at the center of it. For the angels, Jesus was at center stage. Jesus had come to glorify God and to save us from our sin. And they said, peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Do you remember the night before Jesus went to the cross in the upper room at the Last Supper? Jesus told the disciples in John 16, my peace I give to you, but it's not like the world gives. You see, the world wants a peace that's the absence of conflict. Everything's going smooth. There are no issues. That's not peace. I said, my peace I give to you. My peace is the quiet, calm, and assurance of joy even in the midst of your worst conflict. Peace on earth. Peace on earth to the people to whom God, this highest God, has rested his favor. Peace with God. Peace with each other and peace within. Glory to God and peace for us. You see, the angels understood. Without Jesus, there's nothing to celebrate. But with Jesus, there is no reason not to celebrate. So that no matter what is going on, no matter what issue you are facing, if you have Christ in your life and he's at the center, like the angels, there's a celebration going on. And people, it's not celebrating the celebration. There's a lot who do that. It's celebrating Jesus. The same reason the angels were celebrating that night. See, this is why so many of the Christmas carols have an angelic focus because it's their praise that's focused on the Christ that brings them the joy. We want to sing some of those. David, thanks for being here today. It's kind of fun doing this. I mentioned in the first service you looked handsome and you almost were thrown so bad you couldn't find the keys. But I just want to say thanks for being here. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Larry. Thank sing you. Some songs. Let's stand, let's stand together. Let's sing this out, angels we have heard on high. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the time. 
which inspire your heavenly song. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Come to Bethlehem and see Him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore unbended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Christ by highest heaven adorned Christ the everlasting Lord Late in time behold Him come Offspring of the virgin's womb Veiled in flesh the Godhead see Hail the incarnate deity Pleased as man with man to dwell Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old. From angels bending near the earth To touch their harps of gold Peace on the earth, goodwill to men And heaven's gracious King The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing, yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. 
Beneath the angel train have rolled two thousand years of wrong and men at war with men here's not the love song which they bring oh hush the noise ye men of strife and hear the angels sing lord the angels know you well they live in your glorious presence and the miracle of christmas was such a fascinating story to them they broke out in song that night barely able to contain the wonder of what they were seeing the joy that they knew it would bring to those who believed. I thank you, God, that the angels' celebration teaches us much about our own, that when the wonder and the majesty of this eternal God, the one to whom is glory to God in the highest, has come to earth in human flesh, that we too can have a celebration rooted in the meaning of his coming. And I pray, God, that whatever our situation, that today, like the angels, we will celebrate Jesus. And we thank you for him in your most precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it wasn't just the angels having the celebration. Like the shepherds, we learn that Christmas is a time to worship. Here's what it says in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Worship is something that is easily seen. Worship is the expression of what something is worth to you or what someone is worth to you. And we see expressions of worship all the time. You can see worship displayed and the way a man and a woman treat each other. You can see the ultimate worth of a woman in a man's life by the way he looks at her and by the way he speaks about her and by the way he treats her. You can see the ultimate worth of a man in a woman's life by the way she treats him and speaks of him. In fact, sometimes you'll see a display of this worth so prominent that people will even use the words without even realizing what they're saying. That guy worships the ground she walks on. It's an expression coming to mean, wow, she obviously is worth a lot to him. You can see worth demonstrated almost any time you go to a mall and you see a sports car or a classic car parked across three parking spaces, the mall is crowded and you've got no place to park because some yahoo took up three spots. Now. You don't even have to see the people. The young sports car across the street is probably a young guy. The good classic car, probably an older guy. 
And they're parking them across the three parking spaces, because why? They don't want to get dinged. They don't want to get scratched. So they park it like that as a demonstration of what the car is worth to them. And if you were to follow them home, you might see them out in the driveway waxing the thing every weekend, detailing everything that's there. And the neighbors watching this display of devotion would use the worship, would use the word without even knowing it. That guy worships that car. You can see worship demonstrated in the time a parent gives to their children. In the pursuit people make of chasing after money or fame. The amount of time they invest in a sports team. You see, the fact is, when something is of ultimate worth to somebody, it's not hard to spot. Their priorities, their time, what they talk about, what they desire, what brings them the most joy, that will be right at the forefront. And people say they worship that thing. Well, guess what? You and I who are followers of Jesus... By our priorities, by our time, by what brings us joy, by what we love, by what we pursue, by how we live, the way we treat other people, by what we talk about, by what's important to us, by the priorities we set, our neighbors, our friends, our work associates, anyone who knows us ought to be able to look at us and say, you know, those people worship God. Those people worship Jesus. He is of ultimate worth to them. When Jesus is of ultimate worth, people can see it. That's the response these shepherds made to Jesus that first Christmas night. When the angels had left them, they're back in the dark. They're sitting out on a hillside. It was pitch black. The night is shattered with the announcement of this angel, which is the best news they ever heard. They're still trying to sort all that out. Then the angel choir comes, which had to blow them away. We wonder why the Bible says they were terrified. There's a party breaking out in the heavens. Jesus is the center of it. They pick up that he's lying in a manger in a stable back here in Bethlehem, and then, whoop! The angels are gone. They're back in the dark, staring at each other, going, what just happened? And what's interesting to me, it says, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has told us about. Now, a couple things very interesting about that. First is they said, let's go and see this thing which has happened that the Lord has told us about. The angels come and speak to them, and these shepherds understand that God has given them a message. You know, it's interesting to me, we live in a world where the celebration abounds. There are Christmas carols sung that are full of truth. There are churches on every corner, special services going on, Bibles in abundance. People hear the message of Christmas, and they still don't believe God's trying to send them a message. The angels disappear and the shepherds go, man, God just told us something. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which he just told us about. 
They believed him. They believed that God had said it. Now, what's interesting also is that the shepherds were actually willing to go to Bethlehem that night. In most of the first century, especially in the Bethlehem culture, the Bible says they were living out in the fields nearby for a reason. That's where they lived. Shepherds in the first century were generally uneducated, social outcasts. They weren't welcome in the village. They made people uncomfortable when they came in. In many, many places, they considered shepherds to be just a step above robbers or thieves. They were, they were the homeless people of their day. They didn't live in the village. They didn't have a house. They lived out in the fields. So just to go into the village at night was a huge decision. Because what are people going to think when they see shepherds slinking into Bethlehem at night? Lock your doors, close your windows, we're getting robbed. But the shepherds didn't care. In that moment, God had given them a message. The long-awaited Messiah had come, they were told. He had come in human form as a baby, was lying in a manger in a stable. And if they would go into Bethlehem, they said, you will see the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so they said, let's do it. They abandoned their sheep. They crossed all the social barriers. They took all the risks of being caught or cast out of town. Because in that moment, nothing was of more ultimate worth than them than seeing Jesus. And when they got there, they were amazed. Imagine their moment when they peeked over the edge of that manger and there is the baby the angels just told them about. He's the savior of the world, God in human flesh. They were so pumped out, it said when they went out, they were telling everybody what they, had been, what they had seen. And everybody who heard them were amazed. How could they know this? How come nobody else heard it? And when they left, when they eventually left the manger, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They realized that they had been chosen by God to be the recipients of the greatest news ever given and to be the first privileged worshipers to come to Jesus. And that it was all true. The fulfillment of everything that God had promised was lying in a manger in that stable. Do you remember Isaiah 7, verse 14? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel. Imagine the conversations they had with Mary that night as she told them the story of how this happened. 
Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The shepherds would say what? We've seen him. We've worshipped him. To understand now what Micah was talking about in Micah 5, verse 2, 500 years before the event. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, one who will rule and be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. The fulfillment of everything that had been promised was lying in that manger. And they were worshiping him. You see, by faith, they had heard what God said. They heard it and they believed it. And by faith, they left. They came seeking him. They came and they saw him. And they left worshiping him. People, that's what you and I are to do with our Christmas. We are to believe God. And we are to come to worship him, to attribute ultimate worth to Jesus himself. People, it isn't enough to be religious or just to believe a set of facts. Jesus is found in worship by those who hear God's word, who know their need, who come seeking to find him because he's worth more to you in that moment than anyone or anything else. Remember what Jeremiah said? The Lord spoke to him. He said, tell the people this. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's what the shepherds were doing that night. More than a praying people, more than being a mission-minded people, more than being a generous people, or even having a servant's heart, what God desires most is that we be worshipers, that we would, re we would recognize the ultimate worth of Jesus and it would transform the trajectory of our life because we have come to worship him. People who value, prize, and treasure Jesus above everyone and everything are the kind of worshipers that God is still seeking. The shepherds left glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Something must have happened here. Indeed it has. God has become a man. And he's invited us to worship him. You see, that's why so many of the carols involved the shepherds. That's why so many of those shepherd carols are worship songs that focus on the nativity and the coming of Jesus. We want to sing a couple of those with you. David, lead us. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little 
little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me. I pray, bless all the dear children in thy tender care, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. So bring him in. Sorry, I'm going to start with the first verse. I apologize. <laughs> what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap, sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet? While shepherds watch are keeping This, this is Christ the King Whom shepherds guard and angels sing Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the Babe, the son of Mary, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him, the king of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. Lord Jesus, that's who you are. That's why the shepherds came and worshipped. They realized that this king of kings was born in a stable, the lowliest of births, so that no one, not even they, would be beneath him. Kings from afar brought treasures of riches, and they too worshipped because they realized there would be no king greater than this king.
In heaven today, the angels are worshiping you, Lord, and all the host of our brothers and sisters that have gone before us. And today, we have the privilege to thank you for the examples of the shepherds who left everything they knew to put you in the place of ultimate worth, to take a moment to look over the edge of a manger and to see the Savior of the world. God, whatever our Christmas holds today, whatever circumstance we may be facing, whether we are alone or surrounded by multitudes of family, may you give us a moment today, each of us, to be like a worshiping shepherd, taking a moment alone to kneel by a manger and see the wonder that Jesus has come. And we thank you in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, all of that happened at night. We don't know what time of night. The shepherds were watching over their flocks at night. The angels appeared at night. Could have been late in the evening, 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Could have been early in the morning, 1, 2, or 3, but it was dark and it was night. What was it like in Bethlehem the next morning? What would people be doing in that village that the shepherds and the angels all knew about? How would their Christmas day be different because of what had happened in their village the night before? What would they do with Christmas? A few years ago, Max Lucado wrote a book called God Came Near, and in it, he gave a description of what Christmas morning in Bethlehem might have been like. The noise and the bustle began earlier than usual in the village. As night gave way to dawn, people were already on the streets. Vendors were positioning themselves on the corners of the most heavily traveled avenues. Store owners were unlocking the doors to their shops. Children were awakened by the excited barking of the street dogs and the complaints of donkeys pulling carts. The owner of the inn had awakened earlier than most in the town. After all, the inn was full. All the beds were taken. Every available mat or blanket had been put to use. Soon, all the customers would be stirring and there would be a lot of work to do. One's imagination is kindled thinking about the conversation of the innkeeper and his family at the breakfast table that morning. Did anyone mention the arrival of the young couple the night before? Did anyone ask about their welfare? Did anyone comment on the pregnancy of the girl on the donkey? Perhaps. Perhaps someone raised the subject, but at best it was raised, not discussed. There was nothing that novel about them. Many pilgrims had come to the village looking for shelter. They were possibly only one of several families turned away that night. Besides, who had time to talk about them when there was so much excitement in the air? Augustus had done the economy of Bethlehem a favor when he decreed that a census should be taken. Who could remember when such commerce had hit the village? No, it's doubtful that anyone mentioned the couple's arrival or wondered about the condition of the girl. They were too busy. The day was upon them. The day's bread had to be made. The morning's chores had to be done. 
there was too much to do to imagine that the impossible had actually occurred. God had entered the world as a baby. Yet were summoned a chance upon the sheep stable on the outskirts of Bethlehem that morning, what a peculiar scene they would behold. The stable stinks like all stables do. The stench of urine, dung, and sheep reeks pungently in the air. The ground is hard, the hay is scarce, cobwebs cling to the ceiling, and a mouse scurries across the floor. A more lowly place of birth could not exist. Off to one side sit a group of shepherds. They sit silently on the floor, perhaps perplexed, perhaps in awe, no doubt in amazement. Their night watch had been interrupted by an explosion of light from heaven and a symphony of angels. God goes to those who have time to hear him. So on this cloudless night, he went to simple shepherds. Near the young mother sits the weary father. If anyone is dozing, he is. He can't remember the last time he sat down, and now that the excitement has subsided a bit, now that Mary and the baby are comfortable, he leans against the wall of the stable and feels his eyes growing heavy. He still hasn't figured it all out. The mystery of the event still puzzles him. But he hasn't the energy to wrestle with the questions. What's important is that the baby is fine and Mary is safe. And as sleep comes, he remembers the name the angel told him to use, Jesus. That's right, we are to call his name Jesus. Wide awake is Mary. How young she looks. Her head rests on the soft leather of Joseph's saddle. The pain has been eclipsed by the wonder. She looks into the face of the baby, her son, her Lord, his majesty. And ironically, at this point in human history, the person who best understands who God is and what he's doing is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. She can't take her eyes off him. Somehow, Mary knows she is holding God. So this is he. She remembers the words of the angel. His kingdom will never end. He looks like anything but a king. His face is prunish and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. And he's absolutely dependent upon Mary for his well-being. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager and in the presence of a carpenter. She touches the face of the infant God. And she wonders, how long was your journey? This baby had overlooked the universe. These rags keeping him warm with the robes of eternity. His golden throne room had been abandoned in favor of a dirty sheep pen and worshiping angels had been replaced with kind but bewildered shepherds. Meanwhile, the city hums. 
The merchants are unaware that God had visited their planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God into the cold. And the people would scoff at anyone who told them that the Messiah lay in the arms of a teenager in a stable in their village. They were all too busy to consider the possibility. Those who missed his majesty's arrival that night missed it not because of evil acts or malice. They missed it simply because they weren't looking. But the angels were looking and they were celebrating. The shepherds were looking and they were worshiping. And God was looking. This is my son. That's what they did with Christmas. What are you doing with yours? You see, this is our Christmas morning. Jesus the Savior has come. The angels have vanished. The shepherds are gone. But Jesus is here. He's still here. And he's still watching. Who will be next to peer over the side of his manger and worship him as the King of Kings and celebrate his coming as our Savior? That's what I want to do with my Christmas. How about you? You see, that's why some of the carols are so focused on that silent night and what happened there and beckons us to come. That's why these carols beckon us to come and adore him. Let's sing these together. Why don't we stand? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright round yon virgin mother and child holy infant so tender and mild sleep in heavenly peace sleep in heavenly Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, 
Christmas message is true, Lord. And that's why the song we just sang is true. We're going to praise your name forever. Thank you for this gift of life. Thank you for all that you have done to make this possible. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for our sins. Thank you for conquering the grave and rising again. Thanks for being alive today, living in the hearts of so many of us who believe, who are getting to know you like the angels knew you, worshiping you like the shepherds worshiped you. We hope you've been honored today. Thank you for reminding us in these songs and carols and through this story that what we've seen and heard is just as we have been told. God, I don't know what's going on in the lives of all these dear people today or all those who are listening right now on the live stream. But you do. And whether they're alone or with abundance of people, whether the issues they face are very challenging or simply today full of joy, May the joy and celebration and worship of Christmas be theirs as they come to honor and worship you. Thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you do have a very Merry Christmas with Christ at the center.
If you're here today and you'd like to talk to somebody about knowing Jesus and what this salvation means, or if you just like prayer, we have some wonderful folks in our prayer room. I want to thank all the folks who helped make this service possible today. A lot of folks came very, very early so that we could have a blessed time together. And mostly I just want to say thank you for letting me share with you again the Christmas story that changed my life. Jesus is the King. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.